Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Questions from the Pew. This is actually part two of an earlier episode. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, it would probably be a good idea to listen to that just so you have some context and kind of um, are tracking with us when we continue on this conversation. Without further ado, here's part two of the podcast. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. We're your hosts. I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, where faith and culture meet. that's the case then what are some i guess what are unquestioned assumptions that readers come to the bible with as they're trying to read understand and interpret this text i've got a couple but maybe you want to go first i don't know yeah sure i can i've got a couple too um i mean some we've kind of talked about Mm -hmm. um so one i think that will is a great place to start because we just talked about it with you saying like the bible is a theological book, which I 100% agree with you. One thing I would say the Bible is not is a theological textbook. Mm. Um, And just what I mean by that is it's not a book that you go to to find a set of propositions that Mm. you then, you know, accept or like, you know, whatever Um, would be the word. What do you do with propositions when you agree with them? You, I don't know, word choice. Anyway, it's fine. What did uh, what did uh, recant? No, the opposite of that. I don't know. It's fine. Uh, anyway, unrecant. <laughs> Unre. Yep, that's right. <laughs> that's D-recant. What, that's that's the word. <laughs> affirm. I guess there affirm. we go. Propositions yeah, yeah. to affirm. Yeah, there we go. So, like one thing that I I keep hearing, uh, just like at church, is like there's like this phrase or whatever. It was actually in a video at my church, but I've heard it in other places too is it's like uh, the sentiment of like, you can get the Bible right, but you can get love wrong. And it's like, that sounds cool, but actually disagree. <laughs> like, Ooh, impossible. Why? Well, the re- so what that statement assumes is that the Bible is a theological textbook that presents a certain set of propositions. So what you get out of the Bible, when you get the Bible right, according to this view, it's you get all your theological ducks in a row, all your T's dotted, all your I's, nope, T's crossed, <laughs> I's dotted. <laughs> you know, so that's like that. the statement, get the Bible right, but you get love wrong, assumes that the Bible is just like a book of theological propositions. That like, that's its main, that's its main contribution to Christian. It just tells us what to, what ethereal things to think about. Like, so for mm-hmm. instance, Jesus, the hypostatic union that he's, fully God, fully man, you know, the Trinity, these kind of like lofty ideas, which I mean, I, I assent to as a Christian, these are Christian like ideas, but like the Bible's main focus is not that the focus of a theological textbook. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't mm. know if you agree or disagree, but that's where I would 
kind of start. No, I agree. I mean, it's um, it's a theological sandbox, maybe, is a, a good mm. way to put it. It's like, you've got so many different ideas. Like, just take even God's knowingness, right? You've got verses that speak of God's omniscience, and then you've got multiple passages in narrative sections of God talking about, well, now I know. So what do you do with that? How to, it's more, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, um, it, the Bible's not come with a set of claims uh, sure. and propositions. Yeah, I agree. Which would make it easy. And I think like, that's what we want. You know what I mean? Um, we just want something to tell us what to do or what to believe. And then we say, look, the, you know, the golden tablets in the sky from God told us that this was what is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it kind of yeah. like, it gets rid of a little bit of responsibility because it's like, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's what we would have wanted, uh, yeah. which I understand. Um, but yeah, I think I think a part of this assumption goes to our kind of like individualistic culture and like the way that we approach the Bible is like we have QTs, so we study the Bible by ourselves. Mm. We have you know the Bible, and then here's Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. <laughs> you right. know, yeah. Well, that's are, something that that I had like kind of written here on my list of unquestioned assumptions one is yeah that um i guess we assume that the bible was meant for personal use Mm. whereas for the i guess for the majority of 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 history scripture was meant to be read in community it's not like people had individual copies of right the bible the king was supposed to write out his own copy of the torah so he'd understand how to rule God's people, but it doesn't. And they were, and the people were supposed to teach the the Lord's instruction to their sons and daughters, as we read mm-hmm. in Deuteronomy. But really, it doesn't make any mention of people having a, you know, personal copy right. of the scroll of Isaiah for you right. know, personal edification or something like that. Well, and just how expensive that would have been, yeah. because you have to hire a professional scribe to copy, right. you know, the copies. Then yeah. there's yeah. a limited amount of copies in like, so, yeah. Yeah, well, and even beyond that, right? So like the fact that not everyone had their copy of, of scripture until a very modern era. It was it really wasn't until, you know, the 1500s with the yeah. dawn press. of the printing press or with the right. advent of the printing press that that became a reality. And even then... It didn't happen because it was still expensive for people to produce all that. Um, right, right. But, but even you know beyond that, an assumption that maybe people don't think about is that there were that there was a time before the Bible was written. Mm. Right. So sure. what we have collected, even in the earliest sections of you know narrative chronological you know timeline, you know in Genesis, those stories started out as oral traditions. They were stories right. handed down and later on collected into what we now have as Genesis, Exodus, sure. Leviticus, Deuteronomy, right. all those books. But there was a time before that that in which the Bible did not exist. Sure, sure. And, and that harkens back to what I was saying about the context in which the Bible mm. arose. So there was literature mm. that predates the Bible. Right. I mean, that's just facts. Well, and like with like there not being that many copies of the Bible floating, like even when it did exist, 
it was like the community might have had a copy of the scroll of Isaiah or something. And mm-hmm. then, you know, someone gets up there and that how the people would hear the scripture is somebody would read it aloud to the community. So you're not, you know, you're not just coming up with your own ideas or what you right. like from the, the scripture. Right. And once that goes a little bit to what I was talking about earlier of like shaping identity, it's here we all are in this, you know, in this one place mm-hmm. listening to, you know, scripture be read mm-hmm. to all of us. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe talking about it or thinking about it. But yeah, yeah, I think that's a very good point. Yeah. So that's we one, are far, one far removed. point that I had. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. And then kind of, I guess this kind of goes along with that idea, but the whole, the whole process of composition and redaction or the editing of, of the text into the form that we have it now. Um, and that goes into what you mentioned earlier with, textual criticism and dealing with with variants um Mm. i mean if you look at the footnotes of your bible there are some sections that say oh this portion of uh was it mark sure is not in some manuscripts right like there are whole sections of like the in the lord's prayer um how it ends how i grew up memorizing it um it, so, Lord, um, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Um, just not into temptation. Sorry, I'm like, I have to like, say it. No, the whole yes. thing. No, I get the, you. I get you. Uh, deliver us from evil for thy. Oh, yeah. The ending of that prayer, I grew up memorizing. For thine is a kingdom, kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yes. That's not in a lot of of like i don't think it's in the niv i guess we can double check yeah. right now but, well i think but, i think but that's because it was a, a church oh, oh sorry go ahead <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of uh, biblical scholars um and i guess translation committees take that out now because that was a later addition because that was a common way the early church ended their prayers so it right, makes sense right. then if this is the lord's example of how to pray why don't we add the way we already end our prayers? So, right. like, I grew up memorizing like, that in that version. Right. And that's not necessarily, like, wrong of that Christian community. I mean, they didn't have, like, the creation of the canon and all that is, like, I guess it's a lot more fuzzy for, like, them back then. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Whereas we're mm-hmm. like, oh, how, you can't add to the Bible. But for them, it was just, you know, there are these yeah. texts that they yeah. used for worship and, you know what I mean? So Right. But yeah, yeah, no, but like stuff like that, um, those kind, those all, those elements kind of all interweave, um, right? So the yes. redaction, editing, textual criticism, all those things. Totally. But that goes to kind of like what you were saying, the the understanding that these were meant to be read and interpreted in community. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the big one that like we miss a lot, mm-hmm. and that's where sometimes it feels like Christians are more interested with like attacking other Christians for the differing beliefs or not even attacking, but just maybe like looking down upon. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think like what we're supposed to do is like, like read it in community. So like, you know, your tradition has a certain way of reading the Bible, but then also like engaging with other traditions and being like, huh, like what is, like, what is this? tradition see here that i might be actually missing that's like right. actually there in the text you know what i mean right. yeah um so 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it's huge. Yeah. Did you have anything else in terms of uh, assumptions? Of assumptions. I mean, yeah. I mean, not too much more. Um, one I, I've talked about pretty extensively is just like the Bible, I don't think, is about learning principles from stories. Um, I think a lot of times we put Bible characters on a pedestal, you know, and we're like, look, we should be like them. A lot of times we shouldn't be like them. They're actually the opposite of good examples. <laughs> um, Anti-heroes. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um but yeah, so that's where I just, I think we need to be careful when it's like, let's read this Bible story and try to understand the moral of the story, quote unquote, with it being kind of uh, separated from everything that's around it. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of these biblical books, they work as literature. So there's one, you know, and even the books connect with each other, but there's like one idea you know, one main idea one, or a few main ideas that it's saying. Uh, and there might be multiple themes running through, but like one quote unquote moral of one story in one book of one chapter of the Bible. Like if we're just saying the moral of this story is this, I think like we're missing it. I think we do that with like modern, like modern movies and stuff. You know, you go mm-hmm. watch a two and a half an hour movie. Uh, me and my brother were just watching Dr. Strange, which is really great. Love that movie. And, like, it's, like, you know, like, the ideas of, like, time uh, and, like, the ego and, like, getting over ourselves. You know, these are, like, the morals of that story. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And it's, like, yeah, it's great to do that with modern media, mostly because, like, that's how it's constructed. You know what I mean? And that's Mm -hmm. how we've been taught to interact with media and books and literature, which I think is fine. Um I think what I'm trying to nuance is there's a difference between like pulling out a principle from a story versus like letting the Bible as a whole like shape you and give you wisdom. I think there like is a difference. Um, And so that's the one thing that I would say. Mm. That's like an assumption we don't always like we think gaining wisdom from the Bible just means pulling principles out of certain stories. Right. I think there's a deeper I think the Bible is like deeper or richer or maybe just the deeper you go into it the the more the more wisdom you get I guess one more thing that I have in terms of assumptions, yes. um, I guess it, I guess you kind of touched on it earlier, like the idea of the, the Bible coming down as golden tablets from the sky in its complete <laughs> yeah. form. Um, that's not the case, right? Uh, I already talked mm-hmm. about the process of, of composition and redaction. Um, but I guess in addition to that, the fact that the early church only had the Old Testament for quite some time. Right, mm. so like the scriptures that Paul is referring to 
or that Peter is referring to in his epistles, that's the Old Testament. The New Testament was in the process of being written. It wasn't even edited and compiled yet. It was still sure. being written. Sure. Um, and so just an understanding of of that even, I think, will, I guess, addressing that assumption yeah. um, can can go a long way in terms of helping you, um, yeah, understand the Bible better. That was the last thing that I had. Totally. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, my last one for, yeah, just assumptions is just the, which I think I did this like a lot in my life. It's the like, I've heard this before, so I know what it means. And that could be anything. Like I've heard mm. this word before, so I know what it means. I've heard this story before. You know, I've heard this parable before, so I know what it means. And I think it's just, I think curiosity, I think I might've said this uh, at some point in our earlier podcast, but I think like, oh, is it my five by five? Like, I think curiosity is like the biggest helper when it comes to reading the Bible. Uh, mm-hmm. But obviously that just gets immediately extinguished if we just, you know, we just gloss over something because it's like, I've heard this before, so I know what right. it means. Um and that's at every level. So even like words, you know, like I've heard grace before. So I like, I know what it means. You know what I mean? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. Like, do you know what it means? <laughs> like at least in the way that Paul is using it or, or the way that Old Testament authors are using it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then all the way up to the story level, it's like, I've heard Jonah 17,000 times, or right. I did hear Jonah 17,000 times growing up. And like, I never my understanding of Jonah now is like not even close to what it was hearing it, you know, in mm-hmm. Sunday school or, or even just in regular old church growing up. So, right. Yeah. I've always heard that story as a, like running away from God in an act of oh, disobedience or Literally. Um, running away from God's call on your life um, sort of thing and how God hounds you down and whatnot. Whereas Literally. it's a, it's a, it's a mirror that was meant yes. to point out the ugliness of cautionary using tale. God's using God's grace and mercy as a weapon. Mm, literally hoarding it. Yeah. Well, literally. Well, that's where like I mean, and that's the that's like the beauty of the Bible. And maybe it, I understand. Maybe it makes some people uncomfortable because it's like, well, if these things don't mean what they've what I've been taught that they mean, you know, I have no grounding for anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. now I'm just being like, thrown into the deep end without it? a yeah. life jacket. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I guess, I understand that. Um, I will admit that my natural inclination is not to just, like, it is to delve into things, which I, I, like, just enjoy on a personal level. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just think there's so much richness that can be gained and added to your life. Uh, And even, like, the relationships you have, the way that you live your life, if you're willing to engage in, like, the dialogue around the Bible and, like, the, you know, the intense study that's going on mm-hmm. and there's so many like there's so many takes that's like oh like there's actually evidence for like i don't know if you've heard this uh i think they actually mentioned it on the bible project podcast there's a plug for them i guess uh but talking about uh like the sacrifice of isaac or the binding of isaac or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it um that that was actually Abraham like failing because he like what God wanted him to do was like to challenge him and mm-hmm. be like, I know that you're a God who doesn't want like, like 
child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, so because at the end of that story, God says, I know that I know now that you fear me. Uh, but like the, the implication is like what God was hoping for is that you'd like know his character and like push back mm-hmm. like Moses did when he says, I'm going to destroy all these people. You know, he intercedes. Sure. So the hope was right. that since Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah by saying like, you know, if there's hundred people, whatever, 10 people worth sparing, God's hope was that he would intercede for the mm-hmm. one, which was his child, which I think is, a, I don't even know if I buy it. Like, I don't know if I buy that interpretation yet. Yeah. Uh, or ever but will. The, yeah, but like, but, it's it's interesting mm-hmm. to engage in like, oh, there's actually evidence for this like different right. view. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And it adds to the idea that God, especially in the life of, of Abraham, um, was, I mean, he was the, the starting point of, of him making himself known to what would later be the Israelites, right? And so in glimpses he's like trying to push Abraham throughout yes. his life of this is who I am. And right. there are like frustrating moments where Abraham just does not get it. And sure. you see that trickle down to, to his sons, right? Isaac. And then and later Jacob, Jacob, mm. you know, even as he's going on to going back to his homeland where, where God has shown himself to be faithful in, in bringing him back to Canaan, he's still trying to grab, grab, um, grasp a blessing that has been eluding him since yes. his earliest narratives. Sure. But then well, and God get... promised him in the beginning. Right. Anyways, I yeah. keep going. But then you get to the point in Exodus where the people are at Mount Sinai and God's almost like, All right, I've, you, your forefathers didn't get it. Moses sometimes mm. did not get it. I'm going to just tell you here from, from here on out, I am the Lord your God. I am slow to anger rich mm. and abounding in mercy and steadfast love. If you don't, don't get it in terms of, if your ancestors didn't get it by the way I showed myself to them there, I'm telling you here and now, this is the kind of right. God I am. It's a beautiful, right. like, it's a beautiful, culmination. like, yeah, culmination to yeah. something God had been trying to do for generations in that, in that patriarchal totally. narratives. Dude, I mean, that's beautiful. Like, yeah, that might be a good place to end. The thing yeah. is, I think all that like gets stifled if we don't have curiosity about the text mm. and challenge yeah. each other on like our own readings. So that's good. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think that was beautiful. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll just end it out with a little bit of in the lobby. Yeah, so I guess, um, yeah, what are some major takeaways or kind of a maybe a summary of uh, yeah what we just talked about? Yeah, I guess, I mean, for me, this whole discussion has centered around like reading and interpreting well takes work, mm. right? So it's not the, um, it's not a task a lazy person can, mm. can or should undertake, I guess. Sure, sure. Right. Um, you don't need to be a genius to have or to understand the Bible well. Agreed. You don't need to have all the resources. Mostly to just patience. Interpret the Bible well. Yeah, right. It's like <laughs> like we, we are at the beautiful thing is like we're living in an age where there are so many resources literally at your fingertips. Literally. 
um, I can type in just some random string of, of words that I think are from the Bible, and I can put Bible at the end of that, and Google will direct me to the specific Bible verse that I could not think of <laughs> and correct me if I was wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, literally. But like stuff like that. Like, yeah, it, it just takes effort. Um, and I think if you understand the, the wealth of, of true knowledge that the Bible has in terms of understanding God and understanding humans in relation to God, um, I think that can be a catalyst towards maybe inspiring people towards that mm. effort. Because, um, mm. yeah, the way we talk maybe, hopefully it's not, but the way we talk can maybe um, make it seem like it's just too hard to do on your own. Kind of like what you were saying, mm. like what's the point? May as well just give sure. up and leave it to the experts right. or take a spectator kind of stance on on the Bible. But the sure. Bible is inviting us into a deeper relationship um, with mm. what we've inherited as a community of faith. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it's a continual, I think this is also from Bible Project, but uh, you can tell our influences. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's very much a meditative sort of thing. It's like a continual mm. focusing and refocusing of your heart and mind on this text. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I think he said it. I don't have too much to add. Yeah, and I I would say, I mean, we've talked about the Bible Project, but I would say just use, like, whatever resources, like, are available to you. Um, not all resources are made the same, I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, uh, maybe go to your, your pastor, hopefully, or, you know, priest or whoever, um, spiritual mentor, Uh, And hopefully they have like some resources that you could look into or like they can give you some recommendations. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have some resources in the show notes for like what we've talked about over the past few episodes. Um, But yeah, so I would say find, find resources. Um, And then, yeah, I think, like I said before, it's, it's an identity shaping book Um, and it's, it's supposed to impart wisdom to you, but that's going to take like a lot of time. Uh, one thing that Jefferson Bethke, who I just heard teach a few weeks ago, one thing he said is that in the West, we overestimate what we can do in a day and we underestimate what we can do in a year. And so that's where I think rather than trying to like force yourself to read the Bible for two hours or like, you know, do all this like crazy stuff. It's like, just like, just like get into a routine of letting the Bible affect you. Um, yeah, maybe like putting in a little bit of extra work to get rid of some of your, you know, modern assumptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe just do that once a day, you know, for 15 minutes or whatever. And then over the course of a year, you know, look back and see what's happened or the course of a decade. You know, I think that's part of what the Bible's part of what the Bible's deal is, is that it wants you to read and reread and connect and see the themes. Um, but the only way to do that is over time. You're not going to do mm-hmm. it by studying it for five hours every day and then getting burnt out and not reading it for you know, another couple of years. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, that's all I would say, but it's a beautiful book. Uh, I literally, the Bible slays <laughs> <laughs> if we can just like get yeah. to the actual like content. Yeah. Um, well, I know so, yeah, for both of us, I think, I think I can speak for both of us. Like the Bible has literally changed our lives and directed the, the 
course of our lives. I mean, God through the sure. Bible, obviously, but it's like had a pivotal role in both of our lives in terms of sure. determining where we are now and the direction right. that we've led our lives down. Right. Yeah. So if you're intimidated, I would just say it's worth the work. Um, mm-hmm. And feel free to wrestle. I think that's yeah. another thing. Feel free to ask questions. And, you know, yeah. here we are. Yeah. Your, that's what we're here your for. Preferred outlet. <laughs> yeah. Not to answer questions. We're not, uh, yeah. right? We're not uh, offering yeah. definitive answers. Answers but we are, from the pew. Yeah. We are offering responses and a discussion, yeah. a forum for discussion. Hopefully, we can wrestle we with you through it. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Agreed. Well, thanks for listening and joining us on this episode of Questions from the Pew. Yeah, if you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Patreon. Uh, it's just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew. Uh, and if you can't support us financially, please give us a good rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and that will help others find our podcast. Also, please comment and ask questions. You can leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For Questions from the Pew, I'm Reichert Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. <laughs>